Welcome to RLF Radio, the only show that helps young baseball players and their parents prepare for high school athletics and beyond. Brought to you by the Ryan Lemon Foundation, with your host, Dick Owens, Guy Lemon. Good evening, everybody. This is Guy Lemon, and as they just mentioned, we are here with uh, my co-host, Dick Owens. And we are really fortunate enough tonight to have one of the finest junior college baseball coaches in the country. And as we talk with him a little bit later, you'll appreciate uh, the depth of his talent and knowledge. Uh, Coach Altobelli, John Altobelli, thanks for being here tonight. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, it, I mentioned about uh, kind of your success and, and so on and the, the caliber and quality of the coaching that you've done over the years. I'll, I'll let you brag a little bit, but I'm going to start by a couple of things as a He's still a very young man, everybody, but he's been really uh, head, young, really, really young. The head coach at uh, OCC for 25 years, and including in those accolades were two back-to-back state championships and some other things. What were some of the other highlights of your coaching career, John? Uh, my very first year at Orange Coast College, I was fortunate enough to have a Final Four team. So at you know 28 years old and you know green behind the ears and trying to you know. Run a team like we got fortunate enough to make it to the final four, and you played. may have had some guys older than you on the team, right? Pretty close, <laughs> yeah. pretty close, and you know got the coach against Jerry Weinstein, the legendary coach up at Sac City, and I think we end up going two and Q on that one, but got there, and then uh, we won our first state championship in two thousand nine, and then like you said, the back to backs on fourteen and fifteen, so been very fortunate. Well, I know too, and as we were chatting the other day, and John and I have known each other for probably 25, 30 years, that you had a chance uh, this past summer or the summer before to work with uh, Team USA. Tell us about that. Yeah, it was last summer. Uh, it was kind of interesting how it worked out. Coach Horton, who coaches up at uh, Oregon, uh, where my son JJ played, uh, I knew he was going to be the head coach, and so I kind of threw in a little, hey, if you need some help, you know, I'll love to, you know, fill up your Diet Coke and tour the tour the world with you and help you with Team USA. And I knew it was a political thing. You know, they want D1 guys and stuff like that. And so he picked his staff, and obviously I wasn't on it. And then uh, David Pierce, who uh, was applying for the Alabama job and the University of Texas job, who was actually my college roommate at University of Houston, uh, was on the staff. And Coach Horton said, hey, if he gets the job, he's not going to be able to go. So hang out during the week out here in California and you know, get your passport together, and sure enough, David got the head coaching job at University of Texas, and I remember him getting the uh, phone call at Dodger Stadium. We're all finishing up out in Dodger Stadium with Team USA, and he's standing out there by himself and got the call about 4.30 in the morning and texts me and says, I'm a Longhorn. I think you're in. And Coach Horton said, hey, let's go. You're in, and, you know, great for my best friend David Pierce to get the head coaching job, but I also kind of backdoor my way into the Team USA thing, and it was last summer, and what a crazy experience that was. How, how long? How many games? How many days? How were you? You know, we practiced for about a week and a half out here, played at Dodger Stadium, Angel Stadium, Santa Barbara, and then our first trip was the 14-hour flight to Taiwan, and we spent about a week there and played a five-game series, and our actually our fifth game was rained out, so we went 2-2 two and two there, and then we flew immediately to Japan and hopped on the bullet train, you know, two-hour bullet train ride, and what an amazing country that is. Clean. You don't see an ounce of trash anywhere. Super nice people. You know, all these countries love baseball. And then uh, we end up losing a hard-fought series there. We lost uh, two out of three to Japan. They could really pitch it and did a good job. And then we came home for a couple of days, flew to Florida, spent the night, and then we flew to Cuba, which oh. was amazing. Wow. Absolutely amazing Incredible. to go to Cuba. And 
we get off the plane and immediately we have about a 12-hour bus ride to get to our hotel and we had to pull over and found this old parking lot with chickens running around and stuff and we played catch and throwing balls and but the cubans really love their baseball obviously and to, to see that country and what it's like and feeling like you're back in 1950s with the old cars that are now taxis and stuff but we were the first u.s team to win a series in cuban soil so it was a really awesome deal for the kids that were all you know freshmen in college collegiate teams kind of like our olympic team and uh being there with you know coach horton was the head coach and dave snow helped with pitchers with teddy silva from Long nebraska yeah. yeah jason gill was there and Mitch Character, who also coaches up at Oregon. So it was a fun staff to be around all summer and just, you know, I'd barely get out of my backyard, let alone go across country and do these things. So I was very fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time and have that experience. Well, I know part of this, and I appreciate telling those stories. I mean, for all the listeners, it's really about the breadth and depth of uh, Coach Alto's uh, experience that I think as we ask and get into the detailed questions that he's an extremely knowledgeable guy, not only about J.C. baseball, but baseball in general. And maybe touch on just for a minute your playing days, which was probably more than a few years ago. But Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. Thanks, Guy. <laughs> um, played at Newport Harbor. Uh, was a skinny little know-nothing kid a sailor. There. Yeah. <laughs> messed up my shoulder. Went to Golden West Junior College. Uh, and they moved me to the outfield from the infield because I was fast, and I had to develop my strength again in my shoulder. And got stronger, found the weight room, and got a scholarship to the University of Houston, played there for a couple of years. And then uh, I signed independently with the Marlins, and I played in the Florida State League for about a month and a half. And then Christmas time, got released, tried out, and was done. So I knew immediately I wanted to go back, finish my degree, was a grad assistant at University of Houston. Uh, and then Coach Dracos over at UC Irvine needed an assistant, so I went to UC Irvine for five years, and then they dropped their program. And I was like, what am I going to do? And then the legendary Mike Main retired from baseball at Orange Coast, and I was fortunate enough to apply and get the job and got the head job at 28. And like we said, you know, it's 25 years later, here we are. Well, so how, how old were you when you were at UCI then? Uh, I was probably 24, 24, 23, wow. 24. Yeah, I mean, I didn't play very long in the minors. I wasn't right. that good. You know, you put a wood bat in my hand, it became a different hitter. But, Coach, I played for him one summer, and he kind of liked the way I played, kind of blue-collar approach. And so he had an assistant position open. I think I made $8,000 a year over there for four years and, you know, got the job. And then, unfortunately, with budget cuts, they dropped it. And then we all had a scramble. And right. knock on wood, I was able to stay local here at Orange Coast. Well, the last thing, and then we're going to get into a lot of the specific questions. And again, for those that don't know about the competitiveness, the competitiveness of uh, junior college baseball, talk about one of your uh, state championship teams. I've I've heard remarks about the caliber of California junior college baseball, but give your observations as it might relate to the national caliber. Yeah, I mean, you know, Southern California is a hotbed for baseball, and I think, uh, especially our conference, the Orange Empire Conference, is by far i think one of the best in the state and maybe not in the country top to bottom with the type of talent that we have what schools are in the orange empire you got irvine valley saddleback golden west fullerton santa Ana, riverside cypress i think those are those right. ones and so orange uh, county it's orange county baseball. It is. yeah it's you know the with first, a little bit of riverside yeah, riverside's, riverside's the furthest nowhere. one everybody right. else is 20 minutes away so we recruit on top of each other all the time but you know we all respect each other and play hard and we know that your team's not ready to go. I don't care if you're in first place or last place in our conference, you're going to get beat if you're not ready to go. And that just shows the level of ball that we have at our level. Because I would guess over the last 10 years, the Orange Empire League has probably won the state championships 
eight of the last 10, 15 of the last 20? Yeah, pretty close. Yeah, I mean, and, and we always have at least one, maybe two teams in the Final Four, you know, from our conference. So they've kind of jerry-rigged the leagues around the, the state this year where uh, some leagues not only have five teams and they're guaranteed two teams, and I think that's going to come back and bite the Orange Empire where we used to get five, six teams in the playoffs. Now I think we're only going to get three or four because the way they've realigned everything. It has to be parity, right? Parody. Carefully, all, how they realigned it. Well, I know as a high school player, there's got to be a lot of questions a young man would like to ask a coach, and at least to start, and we're going to get into some details. Talk about, and certainly your knowledge with your son's experience as a high school and Division One player, player time commitment. Tell me about how you see the, the amount of hours you would guess a young man competes at the high school level as compared to junior college as compared to division one both in the off season and the on season can you yeah kind of address that because i know it's different yeah and nowadays kids are so specialized that you know not too many kids play football basketball baseball like we used to do when we were growing up you know they're all pretty much playing no, three sports one, guys anymore. one sport as soon as they show up because you know they got to get that scholarship and move on and stuff in high school it seems like it's gotten a lot looser with their rules where they're out there almost as much as we are, probably maybe more with how many games they play and things like that. But there are rules in the fall and spring about for the junior college. We do, yeah. We have X amount of hours. It's not as strong as D one, but we typically at Orange Coast go four days a week, uh, Monday through Thursday. We're allowed ten games outside, uh, so we play the scout teams. Uh, we play the Angel Elite team. We, one of those games we play at Anaheim Stadium, which is kind of fun and. I usually only play like one junior college, like usually Palomar or somebody like that down south. But uh, we're limited on how many times we can play and things like that. So we try to get as much work as we can. And then around Thanksgiving time, we kind of shut down our program. And then we just go out twice a week to kind of finish up the semester. And then we come back early January. And January is our spring training because the way our class schedule lines up, basically most of the guys don't have classes in January. So it works out perfect where January's like spring training, and you go six days a week and put all your things in. And is that true of all the junior colleges, or is that just the uniqueness of Orange Coast? No, I think it's pretty much all the junior colleges now have gone from 18 weeks to 16 weeks, and they have that intercession deal where you can take you know a class four days a week, two hours a day. You know, I teach a first aid CPR class during that time where it's kind of accelerated and crammed together, but you can get some extra class work in, which is nice. But some most of the freshmen don't take classes. So in the fall, how many hours is a guy on the baseball field with you? Oh, I would say we're probably out there at least on an average probably three hours a day. And, uh, you know, then we get we can do weightlifting and then we can play our 10 games. And, you know, sometimes those are, you know, at night or things like that. But uh, it's very time-consuming, you know, and they need to understand it's more of a, a job as you continue to move up the pyramid at junior college to the four-year level and things like that. It takes a lot of time commitment, and you got to be very good at managing your time as a kid with school and work and having fun as well so the uh, weightlifting how long does that normally take for them and then they do it early in the morning is that something that kid has no, to be, we, we, get up at six in the morning got to be out there like when i was that crazy young coach a few years ago we used to go six thirty in the morning and then i realized i liked my sleep and i had some two little girls later and uh so we lifted. see so if you go to orange coast things are a little more relaxed yeah. you go. He, john's chilled out from his younger days we lift at four o'clock in the afternoon now so we lift after practice after practice so it, one thing it does it gets us off the field so if you know i feel like we need to be doing more work it just kind of keeps me on a time frame and gets in gets us off the field and we get in the weight room we got a, a gorgeous facility over at orange coast it looks like 24-hour fitness it's a beautiful weight room and uh, my assistant, uh, John Bryant, kind of runs our lifting program and 
does a great job with our guys. And we're in there for half hour, 45 minutes, not the the old two-hour workouts like a lot of guys did. You get in, get out, and get your workout in. And then uh, the other days that we want to work out is we allow them to come in on their schedule to come in the weight room when the coaches are in there and get their extra workouts in. And then is there an expectation of guys to commit separate time for their own skill improvement, like independent time in the batting cage or on the on the bump pitching, or is that all part of practice? Or that's, is that, a, that's kind, kind of, of a third all, leg? Yeah, that's kind of all part of practice. We do get guys that want to you know stay after and hit in the cages or come early, which I really encourage these guys to do because I think that's when you get better. I think what we do at practice is the minimum. And uh, what they do on their own, not only for themselves, but for their teammates, it starts, you know, you put a ball in a tee and you're talking to your buddy and working on things, and that's how you get that camaraderie together, and I think that's huge for teams. Well, I know one thing, and we're going to mention this several times, uh, somebody's listening out there and says, wow, I want to go see Orange Coast. How do they look up your schedule? How do they look up about Orange Coast College? Yeah, our schedule's on our website, so if you just go to orangecoastcollege.com and click on the athletic page and click on baseball, you'll find all of our information from our team, our roster, our schedules, and... Uh, any information about ourselves and, and the school, about applying and things like that. In fact, your first game is when? We started uh, Saturday, last Saturday. How'd you do? Uh, we won. We won 17-1 to against College of the Desert, and then yesterday we beat uh, Southwestern 5-3. to So we got three big games coming up against Cuesta, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, weather permitting. So uh, we're off to a good start, and I like my guys. Talking about starting, I've heard that at the junior college level particularly, there's a lot of young men that try out for the team. When you start in September... How many guys are there at the, you, whatever is considered your first day of practice? Yeah, we, I think we do a good job of recruiting. Nick McDonald, uh, Kevin Snap, Nate Johnson do a great job of recruiting for us, and we try to keep the numbers down. Some junior colleges like starting with 100 guys, more than 100 guys. If we can keep it around 60, I think that's great, and then we'll dwindle it down. Uh, right now our roster is around 30. you know, So we'll probably start around 50 to 60 guys, and then we'll cut that down. We'll have about 20 to 25 pitcher-only guys, and then uh, uh, we give them plenty of at-bats. They probably all get about 60 at-bats before we start making ongoing cuts. And then, like I said, about Thanksgiving time is when we make our final cuts and let the guys know where they're at in the program and go from there. But I'm I'm not a big advocate of over-recruiting and having a lot of bodies out there for fundraiser's sake or something like that because I don't think it's fair to the kids in the program because the guys that you're going to go to battle with in the spring – are losing out on cuts and ground balls and stuff because you have so many guys. So we try to be honest and fair with our guys, and if we don't see them fitting into our our plans or our program, we, we try to cut them loose so they can go somewhere else. i got a question for you on, on recruiting. At one point, weren't the JCs limited to a certain area that you could recruit, and now it's kind of open and you can recruit all over the area? Yeah, it used to be a, a district, you know, so like right. we had, you know, Costa Mesa, Huntington Beach, a little bit of Mission Viejo, that area. And then it was contiguous districts, meaning anybody that touched your district. So it got to kind of like Southern California. Now it's basically the state. Uh, you can go ahead and actively recruit. And then if anybody contacts you out of state, then you can kind of start communicating with them and, and going from there. So it's pretty much opened up. Uh, but we're, you know, we got a wealth of talent in Southern California. We don't have to go too far. We're lucky in that regards. But, you know, we don't have scholarships. We don't have letters of intent. We don't have housing at our schools. You know, we have apartments around the area. So we do get kids that, you know, want to maybe get out of their area they're at, come to a junior college that's five miles from the ocean, you know, have beautiful campus and stuff. And, you know, we'll even practice down at the beach from time to time just to keep the guys happy and throw them a bone from time to time. I think it's important to keep them going. So we'll go down and play ultimate frisbee and let the guys go run in the water and 
uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. I think it's important to do that. And, so, and out of state, the, some of the out of state JCs are different, are they not? I mean, they can they can actually give scholarship money where California we, we don't. Yeah, they're like a D one. They can right. have uh, scholarships. They have letter of intent, things like that. Where we just got to take your word that you're coming, and shake your hand, and hopefully you show up. And why are you coming? Because you know you're hoping to get the exposure and experience and get that D one scholarship, which we have shown over our experience that we're able to get our kids scholarships and move them on and. I think we're about 95% of our kids will get scholarships out of our program. And we, right now, we already have five guys committed to D1 programs. Well, that's a good question. Last year, as an example, from last year's club, how far did they go in the playoffs? Last year, we got kind of snubbed, and I won't get into that, uh, making the playoffs. Uh, another team had a forfeit, and it kind of messed up everybody's power ranking. So uh, we didn't get in, but you know, we should have won more games. But we still had, I think we had five guys go D1. Three of them are at Cal State Fullerton right now. And... Uh, so it was kind of frustrating because we had the back-to-back titles and we couldn't get in the playoffs to try to defend, defend that three again. Peat. No three-peat. Yeah, <laughs> so that was disappointing, but we're kind of using that as motivation this year. And like I said, I, I really like my club this year, and hopefully we can get back Ed, up there. five guys get scholarship, how many would you guess off of last year's club that graduated have gone on to play somewhere at Division One, Division Three? How many would you guess, scholarships or not, how, would, how many would you guess? I would say all but about one kid maybe. Is yeah, that right? Yeah. We're, wow. Our kids know that you come to coast, you're going to go to class, you're going to get a scholarship. Whether you're playing or not playing, I'm going to work my fanny off to make sure you get somewhere to go play. And it's not always the the fancy Fullertons and Oregons and Texas and stuff. And we, we'll find a NAIA or D2 school back east where they can go play and give them a scholarship and, and continue continue their education. Matchup skills, matchup economics, exactly. matchup interests. Yeah, they all want to play at the big boy school, but sometimes they they got to realize that they can't. So that's the important thing. They We have a conversation about that all the time with our guys. Uh, I, I'm a kid at Troy High School, and I want to come to Orange Coast. I like what you're saying. I'm interested in going, do I wait for you to call me? Do I call you? If I'm, Do I do it as a sophomore? Do I do it as a senior? What, what's that process? For junior college, you know, most kids can wait until they're a senior. You know, see what's going on with the four-year deal. Uh, and then email us. We have a little... Uh, perspective athlete form that you could fill out that I see on my desk all the time. It comes through my email. And then we'll go out and, and watch you play, or if you're on a scout team or something like that, and take a look at you. But, heck, yeah, the more that you can contact us and keep your name in front of our face shows us that you're interested, and you know we'll keep an eye on you. And, okay, on that point, if I wanted to contact you, do I go to the Orange Coast college.com and find your email address or do i need to get that some other way no that's the easiest way to go and like i said they'll have a little perspective form for athletes on there and you fill out your sport that you're interested in and all your information that kind of kicks us all your information and what kind of awards you've won and things like that so when you mentioned the 60 guys in the fall are all of those guys someone that's had some interaction with you you've seen them or do some guys just enroll at orange coast and hear about the first day's practice and bring their cleats and their glove and hope they make it we do get a couple of those and we'll have a uh we have to call them auditions we can't call them tryouts so we have an audition day and we'll get anywhere from you know, 10 to 20 kids that come out for that. I think last year we had one kid make that team, and uh, he's still on our team this year. So, so, oh, wow. so, kids, it, does, so it does work. Some so, kids yeah. can just show up out of the blue and make it and be a part of the team and have a big impact. And other kids, you know, obviously a one-day tryout's tough, but I think we do a good job, and my staff does a great job of, you know, recognizing who's got the talent around and making sure that we don't have too many shortstops and too many catchers, things like that. So, like this year's team, and maybe make a broader comparison. Of the last three years, the mix between true freshmen, 
true sophomores and third-year because isn't that another component? There couldn't be some third-year sophomores? Yeah, you do redshirt a couple kids, whether it's academic reasons or athletic reasons. You know, you redshirt them, and they can pick up their academics, things like that. But last year's team was so heavily freshman, and at this level you usually win with sophomores, believe it or not. So the kids that kind of went through the grind last year with what we went through are back with some new flavors coming in, so to speak, with new high school kids and also bounce-backs. Uh, we have a very heavy sophomore team this year, and I think that's going to help us in the long run. What's a, I, I know, but maybe the yeah. listeners don't. What's a bounce-back? Bounce-back bounce yeah. are kids that started at a four-year school and for whatever rhyme or reason didn't work out, whether they didn't like the environment, weren't playing, messed up in school, mom and dad didn't realize how expensive it was, and they decided, hey, we got to come back. So they go to a junior college, and what they have to do now is they got to pick it up academically because they, now they have to graduate from the junior college in order to get back to the four-year level. So it takes a lot more effort academically for them to do that. And you know, Some kids, you kind of, as you're recruiting them and they end up going to a four-year school, in the back of your mind sometimes you go, I think we'll probably get a call from that kid later because maybe I don't think, in my eyes, he belongs at that level. And sometimes they get warm and fuzzy thinking they do. Everybody always talks about academics. What what are the academic issues that a player has to worry about at Orange Coast? Well, at our school, obviously, you know, as long as you're breathing, you can get into our school. <laughs> and uh, you got to take a math and an English placement test and things like that. And we have academic counselors that help our athletes and tutors and things like that. Uh, but you got to maintain a 2.0. And most of our sophomores now have to maintain a 2.5 to get to a D1 school to be eligible. Ah, so that's the other part. Yeah. It's, it's stay in jc but also and then be capable of moving on to the next level right it's not the good old days when i was in school that as long as you're a really good athlete we can get you in they still got, you have to have the academics now to get in and uh if you're a qualifier out of high school you passed all your core you did well in your sat you come to a junior college you need 24 units to move on after one year 48 after two years but if you're that bounce back that comes back and you have to get your AA degree that then you have to get 60 units of certain classes to get your aa degree it, couple of questions just one other thing about the players freshman sophomore did many guys leave after their freshman year because they've got an opportunity to go d1 or do many guys leave after their freshman year because they've been drafted what's that process when when can yeah, guys the draft is to... draft is a lot different now than was when i was growing up you know it was go to junior college get drafted now it's go to a junior college and go to a, go to a d1 school, school and, right. and get your degree and stuff like that because you know you see all the numbers of how difficult it is to make it and things like that but I don't know. It's, Not many guys leave after their freshman year yeah, to move on to I D1. Mean, we might get one or two uh, that leave, and for the most part, I'll I'll know it and I'll communicate that with them that I'm okay. And then uh, most of our guys will stay two years, get their degree, work up, and then move on. One one last question. I you know you a dad of a very successful player, been a coach for a long time, been a player. As you reflect back on it, if you had to give advice to a parent of a current high school player and to a current high school player, uh, and in either case, they want to go on and keep playing. Thoughts, advice you might give to a you know a sophomore junior player and a parent of a sophomore junior? Yeah, I mean, I was fortunate for my son JJ to be around the game his whole life, and then he had a devastating injury in high school, which basically almost shut his career down. But enough people saw him when he was healthy to to get something, and thank goodness Coach Horton stayed with him at Oregon and recruited him and. We knew that was an upcoming program. We thought that would be a good fit so he could play. Uh, I think you got to be wise to look at what's the best thing for your son. Is it to go there academically for the four years, 
how much money you're going to be paying out. You know, as nobody gets full ride scholarships in baseball. I don't care how good you are. They might say they do around the water cooler at work, but in reality, they just don't have enough scholarships to give kids full rides. So, you know, if I'm getting fifty percent at USC and I still got to come up with twenty five, twenty five, thirty thousand dollars, that's a big you know, meatball that you still got to pay out as a parent. So why not go to a junior college where your son can get, you know, 400 at-bats. It's cost you a couple thousand dollars for those two years. He's bigger, he's stronger, he's playing, more mature to move on. And now hopefully he has a scholarship, and now you get that two years with a scholarship, and it's not costing you as much. And trust me, there's no asterisks on the diploma because you went to a junior college. And I think the more that the young kids can play on a good scout team, get that exposure, I don't think you got to pay for a lot of things to get a scene. And you know, a lot of kids go to every showcase and do all this stuff that costs their parents a lot of money. Shoot, if they just would have saved their money, they could have probably paid their own scholarship, so to speak. But pick two or three schools that are interested in, go to those camps so you get in front of their coaches. And most of the, the four-year schools in this area are really good about doing that. But it's just getting on the scout team, getting on a good Connie Mack team, things like that, that can really help you get exposure. Well, that's great. I, you know, I hope uh, for all the listeners, there's several segments here that just as I'm listening to it, repeat it, play it again, play it again, and play it again. John's given some, some really good advice. And, you know, we're going to have uh, actually John's son, J.J., is going to be on one of our upcoming segments. So, uh if you enjoyed listening to Dad, uh, pay attention to the young guy as well. J.J.'s currently uh, now a coach at Cal State Fullerton. Yeah, he coached uh, after he got done playing with the Cardinals. He coached with uh, Oregon. Now he's the volunteer at Cal State Fullerton for his second year with the infielders. So we'll find out from J.J. if Dad was giving us a straight scoop, and, and uh, you get a very different perspective. So, again, thank you, John, very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, Absolutely fantastic. Always a great time to see you, and, and we look forward to seeing how you do this year. I know you you got some really good talent, and it's going to be fun. Well, I appreciate be you being here, and I appreciate everything you guys do for the high schools and for your son. It's awesome. Yeah, well, thanks. And uh, everybody pay attention and uh, listen again next week to next week's show. We'll uh, surprise you with next week's guest. On behalf of Dick Owens, this is Guy Lemon of RLF Radio and reminding all of you to keep swinging for the fences.